The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. Another week, another week of games canceled by MLB for the second straight week. It did seem like there was some optimism going into another artificial deadline that MLB set, but the disappointing news came down again on Wednesday night. Today's Wednesday, March 9th. Games will be canceled through at least April 13th is that right 14th it's four so it's including the 14th oh good question i, think I don't it know might man. be possible that opening day would be the april 14th yeah yeah i think you're right yeah it and can't jackie it can't robinson be. day is yeah. the 15th which would be terrible if they miss that but. yeah the, the 75th anniversary of his mlb debut breaking the color barrier yeah we can't let that happen but how are you hanging in there, Drew? I know you've been on the the beat with this over the past like 24 hours or so. Uh, this is supposed to be a starting pitcher preview episode, by the way. So we don't want to dwell on this too much, but it's hard not to be down about it right now. Yeah, some behind the scenes about our inner workings at NBC Sports Edge. I usually do the Tuesday night uh, news shift, our, our player news blurbs, and then into Wednesday. And I, I, you know, I wake up and do Wednesday morning through afternoon. You know, which I, I usually like that transition. It's it's fun. You're active. It's nothing too crazy. But these negotiations went till three in the morning on Tuesday, and then I felt like maybe there was talk of like a deal before daybreak. So I, I yeah. set my alarm for like intervals of ninety minutes. Um, so <laughs> working on a real lack of of sleep right now, which is the perfect time to record a a pitcher's podcast because there's like two hundred guys to talk about. But yeah. I'm I'm depressed. I'm tired, but maybe it'll be some kind of therapy to actually talk about baseball. In regards to what happened, I do try to check my pro labor bias at the door, like at least make an effort to. But this all felt like deja vu to last week when there was talk of compromises and progress and momentum toward a CBA, and then the owners in the end seemed unwilling to actually put pen to paper on a deal you know they made the international draft a a sticking point the night of their self-imposed deadline on tuesday that's something the league has hovered around trying to implement for many years and the players have always rejected it rejected it notably those players of latin american descent who know the on the ground 
realities of amateur baseball in their home countries. And then the owners suddenly make it a core issue on Tuesday night. The owners have to have it was the uh, sudden initial report just as the luxury tax thresholds and and the pre-arbitration bonus pools and minimum salary figures were drawing close to agreeable figures on both sides. It, it became apparent last week. And then again, in this round of talks, that the owners are totally comfortable missing April if it means getting everything they want. Because yeah. like we talked about last week, when we did the same thing, the, the regional sports networks and the national networks are not going to ask for rebates or they can't ask for rebates um, on, on those huge regional TV deals and national TV deals until 25 something regular games are missed. I, yes. I like what Alex Wood tweeted. I saw this before we hopped on. He wrote, Deadlines and ultimatums haven't worked well so far, no matter what side of the table you're on or support. I just don't understand why we need to keep canceling games and giving deadlines. Let's just meet every day until we can do the one thing we all want to play baseball. And I think that about sums it up. Like why can't they keep exchanging proposals until there's a midpoint? And I I think the answer has been revealed twice now. Uh, it's yeah. it's not yet hurting the owner's bottom line, and, and they're going to keep asking for more until they actually have to get serious. And I don't know when that is. I, I guess it maybe is later this month. Um, so, again, we're we're waiting. Yeah, you know, the this, this stuff about the international draft, there has been times in the past where the players have sold out players who aren't at the table. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, minor leaguers in the past. In this case, you know, maybe they were the owners were thinking we could put this in because they're just amateurs. Why are these players even thinking about them? So I wonder if that was part of the motivation. We've long known how sort of yucky of a process slash illegal yeah. the process can be at times with uh, teenagers having agreements with teams when they're 14 years old and you know, they wait until their signing period. So it is a gross system in many ways. And I think a draft would would go a long way toward fixing that. But I think there are ways to do it without a draft, too. And I think MLB kind of wanted to take the easy way out uh, with this, which I guess I sort of understand. But I think that drafts are by their very nature anti-labor because you are just going to a team and you have no say in it. Right. From the time you're, you know, at this point, but by, by, from the time that you're a teenager. We got to move on. We got to move on to starting pitchers. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's right. do it. But I, you know what? I don't think they're very far apart. They're not. I No. That's, that's why I'm saying the owners don't want a deal yet. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're going to be back next week for more shows. Uh, Colin and Chris will do relievers on Monday. After that, next Thursday... We'll be done all the positions in our position preview series. I'm hoping next Wednesday when we do our show, there's a deal. What, what do you? What's your percentage on that actually happening? I'm done predicting, man. All right, fine. I'm going to say eighty percent. I say that on every podcast we've ever done about labor talks that I'm done predicting, and then I make a prediction. I'm going to say eighty percent chance there's a deal done by next Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, like Alex Wood said, I, I there's no reason they can't keep talking. All right. What would next Wednesday be? The sixteenth. So they can't uh, miss Jackie Robinson Day. They okay. can't do it. And that would be kind of be. Yep. All right. I like eighty percent. I'll go seventy-five just to okay. be contrarian. See, look at us. We're already in a better mood. 
Uh, (laughs) Before we get to our starting pitcher preview, a quick word for our listeners. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now. And we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We'll get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. And remember to use that promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Also, the magazine is in stores now. Uh, it's very, very pretty with Bo Bichette on the cover. Go pick that up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, so we're going to do these uh, these pitcher rankings now. What we've done with positions is read off our top 12. Um, how do you think we should do this here? I'll let you go first, but should we do like read off our top 10s and go from there, or what do you think? Um, I think we go top 20. We can go okay. rapid fire. We, okay, yeah. do it. I mean, I, I, I'll just say at the top, I mean, it's always a good time talking starting pitchers with all the data and – you know, we now have available to us thanks to the various sites and services that, that track velocities and spin rates and allow you to notice certain changes or advancements that pitchers are making. Like when you and I started doing this job, we were just kind of looking at like ERAs and strikeouts, yeah. to be honest. And like bat, batting average on balls in play was like a big deal if yeah. you're lucky or unlucky. So like the the, the advancements we've made in uh, evaluating pitchers has been night and day. It is no, a no yeah a baseball nerd's dream, and hey man, the sport. All right, we're not getting back into, into labor talks. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are a ton of names to get to. This is very nearly one whole side of the entire fantasy equation. We could dig yeah. in for hours, go deep into our top one hundred. Uh, but yeah, let's try to keep it moving. Try to keep this episode entertaining, and yeah, we'll discover some gems together along the way um, the top several tiers of starters, the way this sport has moved into such effective pitching for better or worse. Um, but yeah, it's, it's littered with amazing talent. All right. My top 20, number one, Garrett Cole, two Corbin Burns, three Max Scherzer, four Brandon Woodruff, five Walker Bueller, six Zach Wheeler, seven Jacob deGrom, eight Shane Bieber, nine Julio Urias, 10 Robbie Ray, 11, Sandy Alcantara, 12, Lucas Giolito, 13, Aaron Nola, 14, Kevin Gosman, 
15 Jack Flaherty, 16 Chris Sale, 17 Lance Lynn, 18 Max Freed, 19 Freddie Peralta, 20 Joe Musgrove. All right. Uh, so our top 10s are very similar. So I have Cole at number one, Burns number two, Walker Bueller number three, Max Scherzer number four, Zach Wheeler five, Woodruff six, DeGrom seven, Urias eight. I think that's the same. Or no, you have Bieber eight. Yeah. Uh, I have Shane Bieber at nine, Sandy Alcantara at 10, uh, Aaron Nola at 11, Giolito at 12, Lance Lynn 13, Logan Webb, the big leap for me at 14, Ooh. Robbie Ray 15, uh, 16, Freddie Peralta, Chris Sale 17, Max Fried 18, Kevin Gosman 19, and Luis Castillo 20. Wow. I like that. I, I want. I can't wait to hear your Logan Webb take. Yeah. All right, let's yeah, let's let's start it, man. Let's get to the the top with with Garrett Cole. Yeah, I think Garrett Cole is the only like slam dunk first round starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I think it gets a little murkier from there, and a lot of the names that we're talking about here within our top ten are going to be second round picks. Um, but in most drafts that I've done this spring, Cole has been going in the first round. Um, you might see Burns go too, but Cole is the only sure thing. 3-2-3 ERA over 30 starts last season. Uh, third highest strikeout percentage among qualified starters, 243 strikeouts. It was actually higher than it was uh, last season. His walk rate was slightly better too. He was less homer prone as well. Um, so I think he enters this year with fewer concerns than he did last year. I know the sticky stuff with it was a storyline with Cole for a little while, but uh, I think he he put that on the on the back burner. I don't think we really have to worry about that. I think he's just the steadiest um, source for strikeouts in a great situation. So um, maybe not like a year ago when you're like I'm taking Jacob Degrom, you know, like that kind of elite, like somebody could post a sub two ERA. But I think you you take Cole and you're pretty happy. Since the beginning of 2020, 337 strikeouts and 254 innings, nearly a K per nine of 12, record at 23 and 11 in that span, led all American League starters in wins last year. You mentioned there was that brief period. It was last June and July when Cole experienced a few consecutive hiccups right around the time Major League Baseball began cracking down on sticky stuff, the spider tack. That did raise some red flags, but he mostly finished strong. So either figured something out without needing to use the sticky stuff or MLB stopped checking it, <laughs> um, or it was never really a significant factor to begin with in his dominance. We should say like spin rates ticked back a, a little bit as the season moved along. They or, sure or did. finished out. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that was just less enforcement or players finding a way around it. Um, I guess we'll see when we, whenever the season actually starts where the spin rates are. Well, yeah, you notice the the umpires will only check certain spots and not other spots. It's kind of a performance. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, Cole's not going to probably not going to lead the league in ERA pitching at Yankee Stadium, but he's usually in the low threes, high twos there, so pretty good. And all the other elements are truly elite, super durable too. Uh, You know, spent some time on the COVID IL last year, but otherwise, he's a very healthy and reliable thirty-one-year-old ace. Yeah. So we each had Corbin Burns at number two, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was amazing last year. Remember, he struck out 58 batters before issuing his first walk last season. He was 
insane out of the gate last year, just basically as, as Jacob deGrom. They were kind of going back and forth with amazing starts to, to begin the year. Burns actually managed to make it through the full season, 2.43 ERA, league best, best strikeout rate among qualified starters uh, last year, 35.6%. Uh, percent. So I don't think there's any question that, to me, that he's the the number two fantasy starter. Yeah, I mentioned that Cole's K per nine over the last two years sits just under 12.0. Burns is at 12.8. Um, 322 strikeouts and 226 and two-third innings since the beginning of 2020. Also a ridiculous 2.34 ERA in that span, a 185 ERA plus um, and a 0.96 whip to boot. He was the National League Cy Young Award winner last year. There were issues with his command in, in the early part of his career. Even during that yeah. breakout in 2020, there were issues with walks. But yeah. the walks per nine fell to 1.8 last year from 3.6 yeah. the year prior. Uh, Burns also gave up only seven home runs in 167 innings last season. Six, I mean, hard to see yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree. But I mean, it, it shows how dominant he is. 657 yeah. batters faced seven home runs allowed right. while making half of his starts at, you know, American family field in Milwaukee, which is power friendly, just flat out dominant that high velocity cutter, the change up the curve, his slider misses a ton of bats. So if he is over the control problems officially, and you know, it would appear that he is, Burns is going to be really fun to watch for a long time. 27 years old, doesn't turn 28 until October. Um, yeah, he could be the number one fantasy starter. You could make the case. Yep. You could. I, I had Max Scherzer at, at three, speaking of, of age. Um, and you know he's kind of become a face or even the face of the players' union during the. Yeah, he actually just tweeted something out about it. Oh, yeah. He tweeted something out about the international draft. Um, but that, you know, we'll put that aside. We're not going uh, back there, DJ. No, I, <laughs> no, but he's been, yeah, you're right. He's been one of the faces of, of the negotiations. Even um, though, you know, he yeah. probably has the least to gain of any player. He's a 37 year old going on 38 this summer, just signed a, what is essentially a three year, $130 million contract with your Mets. But yeah, it feels like we've been waiting a whole decade now for, for Scherzer to break down physically. And there have been a couple of minor injuries here and there, but the guy remains one of the very best pitchers in the sport, one of the very best competitors in the sport, entering his 15th major league season. A 2.46 ERA, 0.86 whip, 236 strikeouts, just 36 walks and 179 plus innings last year between the Nationals and Dodgers. Even better down the stretch with Los Angeles. He was great in the postseason. It's hard not to think about his age when you're clicking on his name in a draft, but um, there's no indication that that's going to be a relevant drawback to Scherzer's fantasy production this year yeah. and maybe even next year and maybe even into his 50s. He's the oldest player ever to sign a $100 million contract. Love it. And don't discount that that matters a lot to him being, you know, one of the top guys in, in, uh, as far as player representation, like that's yeah, he a cares. Big deal. He cares. And I think that was one of the reasons that he took that deal from, from the Mets. A lot of people were surprised that he didn't return to the Dodgers, but uh, to get that AAV, that record AAV, like it's yeah. a big deal for someone who, you know, wants to raise the tide for everyone. And I think at this point in his career, he wants to help young players, not just the players who are, you know, at the top of the food chain, so to speak. So um, I had Max Scherzer number four, I have Walker Bueller number three. 
age factors into that a little bit, but also workload. So Bueller last year um, made 33 starts. I was tied for the most uh, in the majors, got over 200 innings, 212 strikeouts. So not like a ridiculous strikeout rate, but pitched really deep into games, which was different from 2020. He went seven innings 14 times uh, last year, which is a big deal um, when you're talking about win potential. That's a big deal for me. The numbers tailed off a little bit in September and, you know, might have cost him a chance at the the Cy Young Award. But um, now that he is basically a workhorse, one of the game's top workhorses, given the age and the, the situation, I'll put him a little bit ahead of Scherzer, even though I think, you know, Scherzer can be awesome as well. I had Bueller fifth. You feel really good about the workload and the wins and the rate stats, ERA and whip. And maybe he can miss more bats as he moves into this will be his age 27, 28 campaign has the cutter slider curve are all established and nasty. The fastball lost some velocity and some yep. spin, maybe partly due to the sticky stuff crackdown and, and why he didn't finish necessarily as, as strong as he started. But Either way, excellent overall arsenal, a wide array of ways to attack opponents. He held right-handed batters to a 198 average and 575 OPS last season and held left-handed batters to a 201 average and 596 OPS. Bueller tied for the MLB lead and starts. Um, you mentioned he's a workhorse now. The win should be there. A lot to like about his profile. I had Brandon Woodruff fourth. I think you had him seventh. Sixth. Six. Okay. Yeah. Only slightly less impressive last year than Burns, his Brewers rotation mate. Um, Burns, again, won the NL Cy Young Award in 2021. Woodruff came in fifth with a 2.56 ERA, 0.965 whip, 211 strikeouts in 179 innings, a losing record at nine and 10 on a a team that won the NL Central. Uh, kind of surprising that he only netted nine wins and 30 starts, but that's the modern state of the pitcher win stat for you. Yeah. Uh, Woodruff's yeah. fastball effectiveness is incredible, and the curveball and changeup have only improved, uh, specifically the curve, which he threw a lot more last season. There may be more strikeouts for Woodruff to tap into, given the developing off-speed stuff, and he's already pretty darn good in that regard. So I think there's, yeah, I think there's some upside for, for him to hit even in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I agree. I, I, when I was looking deeper into Woodruff, it was hard to really poke holes in anything he does. Yeah. Um, so to put him sixth, I mean, it's, it, there's some impressive company here. I, I loved what Zach Wheeler did last year. So I had to put Wheeler at five. And again, you're talking about a workhorse, which is what I'm looking for um, from a fantasy ace at this stage. How many innings can you throw? And with Wheeler, he struck out 247 batters last year, league high. Um, so that's that's huge from your fantasy ace. Also posted a 2.78 ERA. If you remember in 2020, the strikeout rate wasn't that great. No. Yeah. Uh, even though the stuff was. I think he just wanted to be more efficient. He's definitely become much more efficient since his early days with the Mets, but brought the strikeouts back last year. The control is great. Um, he had 16 outings of at least seven innings. So half of his starts went at least seven innings with, with Joe Girardi there. We'll see what happens with the bullpen with the Phillies during the offseason. There's still some some uh, something to be written there as far as player moves and the defense for the Phillies. Those are two key factors, I think, uh, for Wheeler as far as win potential. But 
to me, man, he's just arrived as an unquestioned ace and the workload is a big deal to me. Woodruff threw 179 in a third inning. So, you know, we're talking about a 30, but 35 inning difference yeah. uh, between those two pitchers. And that's, that's enough for me to put Wheeler at number five. Wheeler was such a terrific value in drafts last spring. I looked back at some mock drafts from around this time and he was going outside the top 100. So Oof. if you bought into to what he did during the shortened 2020 season from a run prevention perspective and you built in an elevated strikeout rate to his projection for 2021 that would have been a smart thing to do that i mean that's exactly what you got in return the question is whether these whiffs are sustainable i had wheeler six so i like him plenty but you know prior to last year had a career 8.5 k per nine it was just 6.7 in 2020 um, then explodes to 10.4 strikeouts per nine in 2021, but an improved slider and his growing use of that pitch, uh, yeah. plus a great fastball that he's always had, which has gained velocity. So I think yeah. it's all repeatable. Great signing for the Phillies. Five years, 118 million. Mm-hmm. Now, now embarking on the, the third year of that contract, he's been a, a steal for them. If Steve Cohen was the owner of the Mets when Wheeler went into free agency, they would have never let him go. Mm. Preach. I really don't. I don't think so. So, uh, so Jacob Degrom, we both had at number seven. So yeah, the Mets. I, I, yeah. I wanted you to talk about him. Um, I think this is probably more of a, a philosophical, like discussion, risk taking or like risk aversion debate than than anything yeah. have to, having to do with his accolades. Because yeah, if he's healthy, he's my number one. I, I'm guessing he'd be your number one too. Yeah, I I totally agree. But I will say it's very unlikely he will be on any of my teams this year. Mm. Any chance I've had to draft him so far this spring, I've not done it. Um, Maybe I'll feel differently. You know, once there's actually spring training, we see him thrown in games and he's, you know, going full effort and he's okay. But for now, I'm just a little too worried. Um, And the Mets were very vague about his elbow. Uh, when he went down and uh, there was a sort of a cascade of injuries before he finally went down with the elbow. And then they were very mum about what the actual injury was. Then Sandy Alderson came out and said it was a, a partial tear of a ligament um, or strain, you know, sprain or whatever he said, but a sprain is a, is a tear essentially. Mm -hmm. But he said that it was fine now, whatever that means. And Jacob deGrom was pissed. (laughs) He was like mad. He, he went up to the reporters and he said, I'm fine, whatever. But if you remember, he didn't make it back before the end of the year. I think if the Mets were in contention uh, mm-hmm. for the end of the season, he might have pushed it, but he didn't. And so he's going to bring these questions in into 2022. There's no, we all know what he can do. He has a 194 ERA over 91 starts dating back to the start of the 2018 season. Just ridiculous. And the numbers that he were putting was putting up last year were just inhuman i mean the strikeout rate was obscene it was like it was like josh Hader starting pitcher version (laughs) like it was just crazy so we know what he can do but like sort of a general question about Degrom. it's like knowing what happened last year when he was throwing as hard as he was 100 mile an hour out of the gate over and over and over like could he benefit from dialing it back a little bit I don't yeah. know. Is that a question he needs to ask himself? Like, I I don't know. And is he as effective? I don't know. Cause he was so fastball heavy because nobody could hit him Yeah. Um, for the early part of last season. Does he change the pitch mix? 
I, I don't know. I don't know which pitcher we're going to see. Uh, so to me, you have to rank them in the top 10, but I don't know if I'm going to be taking them. I had Shane Bieber eighth. Uh, he's an interesting case. Yeah, definitely. Obviously a, a disappointment in workload terms last year through just 96 and two third innings across 16 starts that shoulder strain popped up in mid June kept him out of action until the closing weeks of the regular season, but he did ultimately return to action um, and now has been able to enjoy an extended offseason. Uh, shoulder injuries are always scary, especially for pitchers. They can be career detriments, um, and they tend to come with lingering complications. But all signs right now, from what we know, point to Bieber being in a very good place with it by the time the 2022 season finally gets underway. Over the last two years combined, including his Cy Young award-winning season in 2020, he has a 2.48 ERA, 256 strikeouts, and 174 innings. That's a 13.2 K per nine, which is, again, that's like Josh Hader stuff too. Um, some of the best command of any pitcher. It did wane a bit last year, prob yeah. probably because the rotator cuff was barking, but Bieber has typically been a maestro inside the strike zone or like painting right around it. Uh, with the arsenal to miss as many bats as he wants. Uh, I wouldn't expect a huge win total as the Guardians ace, uh, but who knows with that stat. And, you know, who knows with the health, but um, you're taking risks on on every pitcher, and, and Bieber has done it to such a high level that, to me, he belongs in the top ten. Yeah, I actually took Bieber in Tout Wars um, Tuesday night. I think I had, I had him basic, I have him ninth here and I was right on the cusp there. I was like, do I take Sandy Alcantara? Do I take Bieber? I took the upside of Bieber. I'd rather, if it comes down to it, you're talking purely uh, average draft position. So DeGrom is 24.72, Bieber's 32.38. I'd rather have Bieber. Yep. Uh, uh, it's which is weird because like you should have fewer concerns with a shoulder than an elbow, but like if Degrom's elbow, feet, if he blows out his elbow, he's done for the year. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't know. I'm going Bieber over Degrom. The more I think about it, I just see way too much bust potential in Degrom. But I'm also a Mets fan, so I think that has a lot to do with it. So where did you have Julio Urias again? I had him ninth. Okay, I have him eighth, and. The big difference for me with Urias at this point is is also the workload, kind of like Walker Bueller. Uh, Urias had never thrown more than 79 and two-thirds innings in a season in the majors before, but hopped all the way up to 185 and two-thirds innings. You know, we know how much the Dodgers have babied him over the years, but, mm -hmm. you know, really let the wheels off last year. 296 ERA, 195 strikeouts, just 38 walks, uh, more than, like I said, more than doubled the workload. Uh, his career high workload and still remain very effective. 120 games as well, uh, which, you know, it's a stat in fantasy. Um, and sort of like I said with Bueller, you know, these these pitchers who are pitching deep into games for good teams, that's a big deal. So I, I actually wanted Urias in Tout Wars. I was really hoping he would fall to me last night, uh, but I he went like two or three picks right before me and I had to go with Bieber, but um, I'm, I'm big on Arias at this point. I, I think he's just ready to take off. He had sort of a, a mini breakout in 2019 between starting and relief duties. Then it was very good with a more settled rotation spot in 2020 and then really put it all together in 2021. And you look at Arias's P 
pitch mix on Fangraphs or, or Baseball Savant, and it might seem like he completely abandoned his slider, but he actually just integrated that pitch into his curveball um, and essentially came up with a whole new off-speed approach to obviously great effect. The ability to do that shows the raw talent that allowed him to debut at age 19 back in 2016. Uh, now treading in new territory when it comes to workload, like you said, but he handled it well last year, and I'm expecting a repeat or better, or better from him now at age 25. He's, he's going to be a special, special pitcher for the Dodgers uh, for an extended stretch. And I Alcantara had, is the yeah. same way. Number yeah, 10, let's talk Alcantara. So where did you have him? I had him 11. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of the one of the few hits from the Marlins uh, bunch of trades that they made a, a few years ago, and like we've always always known that Alcantara had the stuff. It was just a matter of putting it together. But last year, you know, he was a workhorse. 205 and two thirds innings. Again, you're really looking for that. 319 ERA over 33 starts. Got over 200 strikeouts, made it to 201 strikeouts, 50 walks. Only Adam Wainwright, Walker Bueller, and Zach Wheeler threw more innings last season. I think Alcantara has some more strikeouts in him. I think it's very possible. As of now, I think you'd want to see some more to really put him in that next stratosphere. But he certainly improved a little bit in that area since his debut. And last year, his control got markedly better. Uh, so that's a, a nice check mark there as well. I like him a lot, even if he isn't as flashy mm. as some of the names around him. Maybe not as big of a name nationally yet. If you're a hardcore fantasy player, you know him. But if you're not and you're playing in a more casual league, I think you could get a really nice value with Alcantara. He had two bad blowups last year. Uh, one at Dodger Stadium in May, the other at Coors Field, of course, in early August. And if you remove those two outings, Alcantara's season ERA drops from 3.19 to 2.47. Wow. Now, obviously, you can do that sort of creative math with any pitcher with and, starters, yeah. and make him look better. But Alcantara was so steady otherwise. And there are a lot of fantasy analysts who have him in their top 10 starters for 2022, I guess you included. Um, I'm, I'm a little shy of that because the strikeout rate so far hasn't been elite but yeah could it rise to being elite possibly um averages nearly 98 miles per hour with his fastball you don't see that from many established starting pitchers like dudes will flash that and then kind of fade away or get injured but um i'd like to see him maybe tinker with his pitch mix throw the slider more the change up less but what he's doing now obviously works in real life we just want him to be better in fantasy I had Robbie Ray at 10. I, I couldn't go any lower than 10 on Ray. Uh, you know, the 2021 American League Cy Young Award winner, a 2.84 ERA, MLB leading 248 strikeouts and 193 and a third innings for the Blue Jays. Also led all AL starters in whip at 1.045, a career low 2.4 walks per nine. I definitely worry about the command issue suddenly popping up again. Ray had a 7.8 walks per nine mark in 2020. Yeah. He issued 45 walks in 51 and two third innings. But now the move to Seattle uh, on a five year, $115 million free agent deal, that should help with the run prevention, um, help keep that ERA maybe in elite territory. Um, and he's been a swing and miss machine pretty much his entire career. So if this is the, the verified, new version of Ray who doesn't issue a ton of walks 
the Mariners got a great deal and he certainly belongs in the top 10. So maybe some recency bias, but he was a, an absolute stud last season. Yeah. He threw um, 43.8% of his pitches in the strike zone last year, up from 36.2% in 2020. That's a big increase. First pitch strike percentage up to 61.6%, a career best last year. This was by design for him to basically throw the ball in the strike zone and, you know, go ahead, hit it. And it didn't, it didn't really happen. But like you said, you know, with the number of walks that he had in 2020, that's, that's such such a massive and insane turnaround that naturally you're going to, you're going to have some doubt about his ability to repeat it. And, and, you know, 2.84 ERA, it's really good. And that's hard to repeat, you know, just by the nature of a new season. Um, but yeah, he's always missed a ton of bats. It would not shock me if he was top 10. Um, but I put him at 15 just to be a little more cautious, but I still, I, I believe in him to an extent because I know the strikeouts are, are going to be there. And I think he's going to a spot where he should still pitch. Well, I have every reason to think he will. Um, I still like him, but I, I couldn't go quite that high. I actually put Aaron Nola at number 11. He had a bad year on the uh-huh. surface last year, 4.63 ERA, uh, over 32 starts. But you look at the secondary numbers, and they were off the charts good. 223 strikeouts, 39 walks, over 180 and two-thirds innings. Best walk rate of his career. Swing and missability remained excellent. Um, actually, if you look at advanced metrics, so uh, FIP, XERA, XFIP, he was 3.37 in all three of those uh, metrics, which tells you, you know, he deserved a little bit better luck, to say the least. Um, defense could have been a factor here as far as the disappointing ERA. Like I said, with with yep. Wheeler, it can't be ignored with, with the Phillies, but he is one of the best rebound candidates of, among all pitchers. Um, and it would be no surprise if he was a top 10 fantasy starter. The ERA just doesn't make a lot of sense no. uh, on the surface. I, yeah, I, I agree. Let's chalk it up to a lot of bad luck. The ugly defense behind Nola and Philly, the worst left on base percentage of his career. Um, there's some luck involved with that. That's some bad luck. Uh, a 308 batting average on balls in play, high home run rate, big dip in ground balls. If that luck shifts more in Nola's favor and he maintains the high strikeouts and, and the command, which I, I think all those things are very possible, if not probable. You're talking about a really nice draft day value. I have him as my 13th starter starting pitcher. Um, I was I was worried that you were going to have him pretty low, so I'm, I'm glad you have him, actually have him higher than me um, because you know some people don't look past the back of the baseball card stats. If you're in a more casual draft, they'll just see that ERA and, and want to avoid him. I mean, there's enough in Nola's profile to say that he's still a strong, low second, high third tier type of fantasy starter. So Lucas Giolito, I have at number 12. Me too. Did you have? Okay, yeah. great. So 3.54 ERA last year. ERA maybe not quite as good as, um, as he was in 2020, 2019, but the ERA was really obscured, kind of like we were talking about with Alcantara, by one really bad start. I think it was against the Red Sox uh, where I don't even know if he made it out of the first inning. He gave up like seven or eight runs. Was it uh, like uh, Patriots it was Day? Pa- Patriots Day. It was yeah. an early early game. Yep. Um, but he was great 
in the second half. 2.65 ERA during the second half, had the best walk rate of his career. It's been really good basically three years running now. Uh, I think he's super steady, and you'll feel pretty good about taking him. So number 12, but I, I think he's I think he's a stud. I, I also have met 12. He's been a Cy Young Award vote getter each of the last three seasons. Sixth place in 2019, 7th place in 2020, 11th place last year. So that's that's all more down ballot, but, but still 526 strikeouts and 427 innings across those three seasons, 11.1K per nine. Um, yeah, a combined 3.47 ERA. His ERA kind of just hovers in this in the same area, which you know it's good, not great. He did give up a lot of hard contact last year, a lot of homers, mostly on his fastball and changeup. But his slider was the best it's ever been. He threw it more often than he ever did before. I'm guessing Giolito realizes that, or the pitching gurus in the White Sox organization realize that, and we're going to see more sliders moving forward. To me, he's still very much like an in-development pitcher at age 27. Mm-hmm. Was a huge prospect coming out of high school. Lost some velocity to injuries early on. And, and what he's done to transform himself is truly impressive. With with more of that to come as, as he ages. Even if you don't you know, get a big step forward from a, a run prevention standpoint, a mid-three ERA with 200-plus strikeouts and a lot of wins is obviously – fine you know it's it's a top 15 fantasy starter where did you have lance lynn i had him 17th and yeah i mean a very unique pitcher in this era of baseball where breaking stuff has been on a soaring rise codify baseball had this illuminating tweet late last week Uh, the percentage of all mlb postseason pitches that were breaking balls in 2013 it was 22 percent in 2015, it was 24.7%. 2016, 28.9%. In 2021, breaking pitches in the postseason, 33.9%. Um, yeah, Lynn has incorporated a slider in recent years, but he's still very fastball heavy. And, you know, the fastball is great. I should say fastballs because he throws a variety of them. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have we already kind of run through his peak? You know, is this, he's 35 years old in May. Uh, again, he's gotten more crafty. It's just that the upside or the ceiling is probably, it's what he did in 2021 uh, with yeah. the career low 2.69 ERA, the 10.1 K per nine. I don't know. I'm obviously not that down on Lynn at, at 17, more down on him than you, but he, he might be a more, you know, three ERA, a bit over a strikeout pruning, which, you know, that's, that's cool. I feel like I'm arguing against myself here. <laughs> well, he's a, he's another like workhorse guy. I know he's hurt a couple of times last year, had a knee knee injury, a back injury, probably would have been close to 200 innings if, if he had avoided those two stints to the IL, but he's 35 years old. So, um, you know, that kind of pushes him a little bit more in the territory of like a Charlie Morton, but Morton's come, we'll talk about him, I guess. Um, but Morton's coming off an injury that I think pushes him a little lower with us, but I view them kind of similarly, like uh, given where they are in their career that maybe we've seen their peaks, but they're still really solid as maybe like a number two on a fantasy staff. I had Kevin Gosman 14th. Did you have him in your top 20? He's in my top 20, but I have him at number 19. Okay. Yeah. Moving to Toronto now on a five-year, $110 million free agent deal. That's a less pitcher friendly environment than what he was dealing yeah. with the last two years in San Francisco. 
Um, Oracle Park has been playing more balanced or even a little hitter friendly at times. I was the I was among the highest on on Gosman going into 2020. You, you can check the tapes. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite it's sleepers. True. It's true. That spring and and he was just as good or or even better in some ways in 2021. So I'm feeling good about the changes he's made. The pitchers, you know, the pitcher he has turned into at age 31, a career best 2.81 ERA last season, 306 strikeouts over his last 251 innings dating back to the start of the pandemic affected season, a 1.06 whip as well. Maybe the ERA settles around the low to mid threes with the Blue Jays in the AL East, but a caper nine up near 11 um, had a 14 and six record last season with the NL West champs uh, can work deep into games right now. The Jays would be the AL East favorites for me. I actually yeah. saw them. They were plus 200 to win the AL East. I was thinking about placing some action on that. So I, I think Gosman gives you a good win total, a strong whip and strikeout rate and a decent enough ERA to be, to be a top 15 guy. I'm, I'm definitely on board again. Yeah, stuff-wise, I don't think you can question Gosman. His splitter is one of the best pitches in mm. baseball. Uh, opposing batters hit just 133 against it last season with a 224 slugging percentage. Um, can run his fastball up to the high 90s. The control has always been good. I'm a little nervous about the move from the Giants to Toronto and the AL East, so I think he'll be good. But like you were saying, I think an ERA in the mid threes is where I would start as far as expectations. So that pushes him down a little bit, but I, I still like him quite a bit. I have his old teammate, Logan Webb, at, at 14. Yeah, uh, One of the best stories in baseball last year, I think. Someone who basically was a waiver wire pickup at the start of the year. Had a little bit of momentum and hype during spring training, but turned in a 303 ERA. Uh, over 27 appearances, 26 starts, missed some time with injury and really turned it on during the second half is when he emerged in that that fantasy ace uh, category. And to me, he checks out as far as being legitimate. He, he switched up his pitch mix to great results, both in terms of picking up strikeouts and ground balls. I think it's a lot to ask for another 303 ERA. And we need to see him throw more innings. He threw 148 in the third innings. If he wasn't hurt for that stretch of time, maybe it would have been 165 or so. We need to see him get closer to that 180 mark, yeah. I think. Um, and we're kind of talking, we're not really not sure how many games are going to be played this year, <laughs> so we need to just say that. But I think you can understand the context. We need to see him throw more innings to, to make his way up among fantasy aces. But I, I think he's the real deal. I do too. I just need to see a little bit more. I had him at 21. Um, but yeah, it's so impressive what he did last season and in, into the playoffs. I had Jack Flaherty at 15th. I, I feel bad for Flaherty and for myself as a Cardinals fan mm-hmm. uh, that his ascent to stardom has been so stunted by yeah. the COVID stuff around the team that kind of just washed out Flaherty's 2020 and then the injury troubles last year. Um, but the reasons he was on that ascent towards stardom are are all still there. You know, Flaherty did have a shoulder scare last August, and but he was able to return for these abbreviated outings down the stretch. I'm not too concerned about that carrying over into 2022. What really knocked him off track was an oblique injury that he yeah. suffered on May 31st. I believe it was a grade two strain, uh, cost him all of June and July. 
And, you know, obliques, you know, he's going to recover from that. He's already been recovered from that. So if he's healthy this season, Flaherty, I think, can get back to the guy we saw in the second half of 2019, a legit ace, one of the best young starters in the game, uh, command, athleticism, swing and miss. He's got it all. Do the Cardinals have to watch Flaherty's workload a little bit? Um, probably, but maybe the shortened season helps in that regard. I think they might also have to lean on him. Um, yeah. They do not have a very solid rotation like they usually do. And, you know, Flaherty's in his arbitration years with an, an eye toward free agency in 2024. Uh, he nearly reached 200 innings during that breakout 2019 season. I can see Flaherty being pushed or, or pushing himself to 170, 180 innings. Again, contextualize into whatever kind of schedule we get. But excellent defense behind him, the best defense in baseball, uh, one of the most – pitcher-friendly parks in baseball, really weak NL Central offenses too. Um, so I, I think it, it all kind of points in a direction to where Flaherty is going to be actually a, a nice secret post-hype sort of kind of value. Yeah, I think I think you're pretty high on Flaherty. Yeah. My concern would be the workload after basically two years of not really pitching very much. Um, so I had Flaherty 25, but I think – you know, two years ago, or I guess three years ago, we had him as a top ten uh, top ten fantasy starter, maybe on the cusp of being number five. Um, so he's not far off from from being that type of pitcher, like a fantasy ace. But I'm just not sure how many innings he's going to throw, and you know, if he could wear down as the year moves along too. I have Freddie Peralta at 16, and he was basically unhittable yeah. last year. The Brewers had an embarrassment of riches as far as starting pitchers were concerned. 2.81 ERA in 28 appearances, 27 start, 27 of those appearances being starts, 195 strikeouts, and 144 in a third innings. His control was a bit problematic at times, especially during the first half. Impacted his efficiency and ability to work deep into games, but don't overlook the control gains that he made down the stretch. He didn't walk more than two batters in any of his final 11 starts, 14 walks and 51 in a third innings during that stretch. Again, sort of like Webb, we need to see Peralta up that workload. 144 in a third innings last year. If he can get closer to 180, I think he joins that fantasy ace conversation. He's certainly capable of doing it. Um, so if things break right, you know, ADP 55.76, he could he could outdo that. He has that potential to do it. I, I, I Peralta 19th. And like Webb, this is a case of me wanting to see more. Command is still a bit of an issue. His walk rate has improved consistently across his first four major league seasons. It's falling, but there's work to do in getting that aspect toward trustworthy territory. He's nasty, no doubt. Wicked movement on all of his pitches, including his fastball. Uh, but struggles to throw his slider for strikes. You know, the mechanics are uncommon for elite starting pitchers. Do batters kind of not chase as much moving forward? I'm just not fully sold quite yet for him to be like a top 15 guy for me. The walks can lead to shorter outings, fewer wins, lower innings total in the end. But raw stuff, Freddie Peralta is, is tough to beat in that regard. Um, I had Chris Sale at 16. I'm probably higher on him than most, too. And I have him at 17. Okay, that's good. Yeah, m- made it back from Tommy John surgery late last season and did okay. I mean, 3.16 ERA, 52 to 12 K to walk ratio in 42 innings. Had a tough time in the playoffs. 
the fastball wasn't super sharp. Neither, neither was the slider, but those are the kind of things you expect from a Tommy John recovery upon his immediate return with a full off season of rest and build up an extended off season. Now of rest and build up, there's reasonable hope or expectation that sale can return to form. He does turn 33 later this month, but that's not all that old for a starting pitcher. We've seen plenty of guys deliver like aces into their late thirties in modern baseball and in and, and past decades too. Sale has never solely relied on velocity. His average fastball speed over the course of his career is 93.6 miles per hour. It's more about the mix of his fastball and slider and changeup. I know there's definite risk here, uh, but this guy struck out 308 batters in a season at one point and 274 in another one. Um, so you feel good about the strikeouts, and if he's going to give you a low 3RA, uh, that's a top 10 fantasy starter. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't have no hesitation taking him uh, yeah. at this point. I, I was really encouraged by what we saw down the stretch last year. Um, so I have Max Freed at 18. Where Same. did you have him? Same. Okay. So going into last year, I was a little skeptical about Freed because I didn't see enough as far as strikeouts were concerned. But what we saw during the second half last year, he, he really transformed himself. 1.74 ERA. Uh, over 14 starts during the second half. His control was his biggest problem uh, during the first half, but he turned that into a strength after the all-star break. I still think you'd want to see a bit more swing and miss in his profile to get to that next level. Uh, And I think it's possible. I think he has that ability um, to be a top 10 fantasy starter, but until we see that, uh, he's not quite there yet. Um, But certainly the control gains the success that he had during the second half. Um, I'm on board with, with Freed at this point. I did the whole erasing a few of his blowups thing with Sandy Alcantara. It's fun to do with Freed too. He had a rough April last year. Yeah, he did. 14 earned runs allowed across his first three starts, 11 innings, 14 earned runs in 11 innings, then a stint on the IL with a hamstring strain. Uh, But from his return from the IL on May 5th to his final regular season start on September 29th, a 2.44 ERA in 154 and two-third innings. That's much closer to his 2.25 ERA from 2020. You said it. We want to see more strikeouts from Freed. We we would love to see more strikeouts from Freed. I think he's introduced this slider. um, And as it improves, the pitch had a 16% usage when he debuted in 2019 went up to 20.7% in 2020 and then 21.9% last year. So um, he's throwing the changeup less, getting more comfortable with the slider, has that great curve. There could very well be a lot more whiffs ahead. I, I love the upside for wins too as the likely number one starter for the reigning World Series champion Braves. Who did you have at number 19? I have I had Kevin Gosman at 19 okay. and Luis Castillo at 20. Yeah, where did I have Castillo? 24. So Castillo, 398 ERA over 33 starts last season was a bit of an enigma, and he has been for large portions of his career. But if you remember at the start of last season, he was just getting shelled. Had a 7.22 ERA at Memorial Day last year, so through the end of May. But aside from basically one bad outing the rest of the season, he was pretty darn good. From that point forward, 2.84 ERA over his final 17 starts. Control still 
was a problem at times last year. Had 75 walks to lead the NL in 187 and two-thirds innings uh, last year. So walks, home ballpark, you know, makes you a little a little nervous, I guess. But the upside is there. And also consider there's a chance he could get traded, if not by opening day, but certainly by the trade deadline. So maybe he goes to a better ball, home ballpark, better situation. Uh, so I think there's a lot to like about Castillo uh, but you're probably relying on him as a as a number two at this point. I had Joe Musgrove at 20, and I, I feel really good about it, actually. I like Musgrove as well. Yeah. I, he's actually my number two in, in, in Tout Wars. So, Love it. Yeah. So who was your first starter? At uh, Wars? Bieber. So yeah. Bieber and Musgrove to start my staff. I dig it. Yeah, a, a lot went awry for the Padres last season, especially in the second half, but it sure looks like they nailed – uh, that Musgrove trade, part of a three-team, six-player swap with mostly prospects involved. David Bednar looks like a, a nice long-term late-inning reliever for Pittsburgh. He was part of that deal. Uh, but Musgrove has, has quickly rounded in that first year with, with San Diego into a top-tier starter. A 3.18 ERA, 1.08 whip, 203 strikeouts, and 181 innings. Commands his fastball well, and the curve and slider were both filthy last season. He's played around with other pitches like a changeup and a cutter. I would say there's even more upside for Musgrove to reach for at age 29. If, if the arsenal can expand effectively, good shot at a lot of wins. He's suddenly the most reliable option, I would say, in the Padres' big-name starting rotation. Um, he's going as something close to the 25th starter off the board right now across most sites. I, I think he's so solid um, with some leaps to make. I would take him even earlier than that. I, I like him as the 20th starter off the board. So we're going to start to hop around a little bit from this point forward. Uh, we wish we could talk about everyone, but we would be here for several hours and probably put you to sleep. So we Drew's don't tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm feeling a little tired too. So we're going to bounce around the board, talk about some names uh, that we're intrigued by uh, and maybe have some interesting things to point out about these guys. So uh, I'm going to go with Frankie Montes. Had a nice year last year, 3.37 ERA over 32 starts. He was basically a league winner in fantasy leagues after the start of June. Had a 2.17 ERA over his final 16 starts with the peripherals to back it up. And during that time, the big key was uh, switching up his pitch mix. He cut down on his fastball usage, relied more on his splitter, which is his best pitch, was his key to his breakout uh, in 2019. I think we could possibly be talking about a top 10 fantasy starter if he can show consistency. He has that in him. Montes is another pitcher who could potentially be traded. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. But I really like Frankie Montes this year. He's he's super underrated. And if he goes to like a more high-profile team, um, people will be talking about him a lot more. I had Charlie Morton at 22. You kind of brought him up earlier. Uh, he had that injury, that, but the delay to the start of spring training and the start of the regular season, it allows Morton to, more time to make a full recovery from the fractured fibula that he suffered in, in game one of the World Series. I mean, he's been recovered for a while now, but it, it gives him more time to build up properly and be back to his normal self whenever opening day arrives. You think about with that with the age. He's 38 years old, but he's been aging gracefully, to say the least. A 3.34 ERA. 216 strikeouts in 185 regular season innings last year. 
very similar to what he did in his previous two full seasons, 2018-2019 with the Astros and Rays. Um, back with the reigning champion Braves on a one-year $20 million extension he signed last September, also includes an option for 2023. Has that still dominant curveball that he throws a ton, um, and he's he's not a low-velocity curveball-based pitcher like Adam Wainwright, who I'm going to talk about later in the show. More than average, 95.3 miles per hour on his fastball last season. You know, he, he can chuck it. Charlie can chuck it. I like uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I expect he'll he'll keep on bringing it for at least another year. So I want to talk about you, Darvish, for a second. I have him 26th, but obviously he carries a lot of questions coming into 2022. One of those pitchers who was talked about a lot with the sticky stuff ban or enforcement, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Darvish, going into last year, I had him as a top five fantasy starter. I My expectations were really high. And he backed that up for a while. He had a 2.16 ERA through the end of May. But I believe they announced like right in the start of June, I think it was the first week of June last year, that they were going to start enforcing uh, the sticky stuff. So from that point forward, 5.60 ERA over 19 starts for you, Darvish. I think it's kind of a simple answer to just blame that when Darvish was also banged up for a large portion of the season Hip and back injuries, that's certainly played a part in the struggles, provides further context. And it's not like he struggled to miss bats or throw strikes. A lot of it was location, command. He got hurt really badly by home runs. So if he comes into camp this year, you know, healthy, 100%, I feel pretty good about a reasonable bounce back where he can be um, mid-threes, ERA type of pitcher with really, really solid peripherals. I don't know if he's quite top 10 like I, I was hoping for, uh, but I still think he can be very good if he can stay healthy. I have three young guys at 25, 26, 27 that I'm, I'm going to run through. Alec Manoa, Shane McClanahan, and Trevor Rogers. That's So Manoa 25th, he exploded onto the scene last year. 9-2 record, 3.22 ERA, 1.05 whip. 127 strikeouts over his first 111 major league innings. I remember watching his debut at Yankee Stadium. It was an afternoon game, six scoreless, seven strikeouts, only two hits allowed. He got knocked around in his second big league start against the Marlins of all teams, but that didn't derail him much at all. Manoa's built like a house at, at six foot six, 260. He was the 11th overall pick by the Blue Jays in 2019. A four seamer and slider combo that's already lethal and something to build on in terms of whiffs. Hopefully, his changeup can improve to provide other, you know, other ways for him to attack hitters. But what we already saw from him as a rookie was so promising. And he seems like a guy who like invites more pressure. Um, he's ready for this. And I love that Toronto offense. The opportunity for wins will be there again. I think Manoa has big, big time upside. Me too. Sh- Shane McClanahan at 26, he has so much talent, dude. Um, another guy, I remember when he came up last year, he actually uh, debuted in the 2020 playoffs, but it was his first major league start last April um, against the A's, and he was throwing triple digits with insane movement. That's the moment I started to buy into the idea of maybe moving the mound back. <laughs> to make <laughs> make things a little more fair for hitters. Yeah. Uh, McClan went on to post a 3.43 ERA, 141 strikeouts over his first 123 major league innings. He had a lot of shorter starts. That's kind of the Rays way. 
Um, and there were a few blowups within there, but yeah, the control wasn't always stellar, but 2.7 walks per nine is nothing to like fret about crazy. Good slider. I love the curveball, And again, the fastball, it jumps all over the place. Once he sort of reigns in that pitch, look out and, and fastball command is something that I fully believe McClanahan can attain moving toward age 25. And then Trevor Rogers at 27 definitely could have challenged Jonathan India for 2021 NL rookie of the year, or maybe just run away with that award himself. Um, had Rogers not deal with a, a string of personal family matters in the middle of the summer, lost both of his grandfathers within a week of each other. Both his dad and mom got COVID and his mom was put on a ventilator at one point, had to be airlifted to a, another hospital, thankfully survived the whole ordeal, but a lot of personal chaos in Roger's family, but highly encouraging stuff when he was active. 2.64 ERA, 157 strikeouts in 133 innings. And maybe the most encouraging thing, as a lefty, Rogers held right-handed batters to a 206 average and 592 OPS. That makes me believe um, it's a small sample, and he has some developing to do with his secondary pitches and his workload. Uh, but the bedrock is there at age 24 in Miami for for Rogers and the Marlins to to kind of you know. I mean, they have plenty of good young pitchers, but he's another one. So a veteran I want to talk about here, a former Ray, Blake Snell, um, was also a bit of a mystery in a conundrum <laughs> last year. Had a 5-4-4 ERA through the end of July. But from that point forward, um, 1.83 ERA, 65 strikeouts, 14 walks in 44 to third innings. That was over a span of eight starts. And the key to the turnaround for him was switching up his pitch mix. So basically threw his changeup out of the mix, just pretty much eliminated it altogether. And then really relied fastball slider. That's it. Um, the rest of the way, uh, it worked. But is it sustainable over a full season? That's that's really the question. Um, you know, if teams can pick up on that and his patterns, it's really hard to say. He might have to get that third pitch back in the mix, an off-speed pitch, something like that, to continue to be successful. He's only thrown more than 130 innings once in his career as well. So he's he's always had those workload questions uh, to really jump to that next level among fantasy starters. But I think if he can remain healthy, he's really intriguing. And you look at the ADP 117.17 on NFC right now, I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me. I, I would take my chances there there on Snell. But again, pitch mix is so important with him. Yeah, that's a lot later than he usually goes. So yeah. at, at least the risk is built into the draft they cost. Um, I had Justin Verlander at 32. I, I, I'll admit to just plugging him in right there without a ton of thought on him individually. More thoughts like who he should be around. Because who really knows what to expect? 39 years old. Hasn't thrown a pitch in a live game since opening day in 2020, but he is now almost 18 months removed from Tommy John's surgery. And the Astros felt good enough about his health to, to give Verlander a two-year $50 million contract this past December. It's actually a, a one-year guarantee, but he can trigger a $23 million player option for 2023 if he reaches 130 innings in 2022. Uh, Verlander was maybe the best pitcher in baseball between 2018 and 2019, a, a second-place finish for AL Cy Young 
in 2018. He won the award in 2019, combined for a 2.55 ERA, 0.85 whip, 590 strikeouts, and 437 innings over those two seasons. Anything even remotely close to that? I don't think he's going to get at all close to that, but he could be a steal in drafts if, if he you know has some kind of uh, I don't know, drink from the fountain of youth or, or something to that effect. At 133 ADP on Yahoo, the 36 starter off the board. Um, I don't know. He could be a steal, but then again, maybe it all ends really abruptly for a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say what to expect, but he's had, like you said, plenty of time to rest and rehab. Um, and he was at the top of his game really prior to uh, his Tommy John surgery. So we shall see. Um, as far as Shohei Otani, the pitcher, hmm. I put him at number 34. I had a really hard time ranking him, but I feel like that's about right. I am 41. Yeah, I had, a, I had trouble ranking him too. So 3.18 ERA over 23 starts, 156 strikeouts, 44 walks, and 130 and a third innings. It was a funny year for Otani because as his hitting stats kind of went down a bit in the second half, his pitching got better. So he had a 2.82 ERA in 11 starts after the start of July, 73 strikeouts and just nine walks in 70 and a third innings during that time. Uh, Plenty of swing and miss ability. Um, I guess the question is workload. Um, how often he's going to pitch? Are the Angels going to go with a six-man rotation? And, you know, injury history, all that kind of stuff is all factored in uh, with Otani and why you kind of have to put him down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, raw stuff-wise, like, he's he's legit. My concern, and it's based on nothing or close to nothing, is that Otani showed so well as a hitter last year that if the Angels want, wanted to limit his – two-way exposure a tad for like durability purposes they mm. would lean more toward his full-time dh duties I mean, they already do that i guess but he's probably not going to get to 150 plus innings even if yeah. it's the same story as last season yeah. yeah like one start a week maybe skipping a week here and there um then again otani's really inexpensive right now in terms of salary for the angels they've not had to make that big financial commitment to him yet and it sounds like he wants to reach the open market in 2024. Um, so looking out for their own interests, maybe the Angels don't ease off him at all. Uh, but that's my. They like, need pitching. I think they need. You're right. They need the pitcher Otani to be good. You're right. <laughs> to to get to where they need to be. Yeah. So I think they are going to push him. Yeah, I do. Um, I had Clayton Kershaw at number 34 he rode his free agency through the lockout the ongoing lockout unfortunately it's hard to say where he's going to wind up there's been talk of arlington texas very near where he grew up Uh, that new rangers park is played pitcher friendly so wouldn't be a bad fit from a fantasy standpoint or maybe he returns to the dodgers for what would that be like a 16th 17th 15th straight season someone in that range he did show a little sign of age in 2021 Missed a, a lot of time with forearm troubles, a, a little bit of an elbow trouble. Finished with a 3.55 ERA. That's his worst mark since his rookie year back in 2008. But it's not like a 3.55 ERA is terrible. Uh, and the ratios were all still Kershaw-esque. 144 strikeouts, 21 walks, and 121 and two-thirds innings. A 1.02 whip. 
if he's healthy or you know close to healthy all year, you know you're getting something really good. It feels like he should be older than 34. Uh, Kershaw is actually only 33 as we chat here, but he turns 34 on March 19th. I had Kershaw in my in the 40s in okay. my rankings, uh, 47. I'm a little concerned about injury with Kershaw. Yeah, um, I'm not. He didn't pitch in the playoffs, by. you know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So another pitcher I'm not feeling great about, Carlos Rodon. You know, pure numbers last year. I mean, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. 2.37 ERA over 24 starts, 185 strikeouts, just 36 walks, and 132 and two thirds innings. Just a great story. Someone that basically nobody was paying attention to um, going into spring training last year, but the hype built up, uh, got a rotation spot, threw a no-hitter in April. The velocity was way up from anything we'd seen before. Just everything looking legit, clicking on all cylinders, a ton of fun to watch. Unfortunately, he went down with shoulder fatigue in August, and while he came back for a few starts down the stretch, you could tell... Just wasn't quite the same. Uh, didn't throw more than five innings in any of those starts after pitching deep for the great majority of the season. And Rodon has that lengthy injury history. So carries a ton of questions going into 2022, including where he's going to pitch. Uh, Rodon is still a free agent, uh, was a free agent going into the lockout. So I have him ranked 36th with my starting pitchers. High risk, high reward potentially, but... I am thinking that it might not go so well. Did you have Eduardo Rodriguez in that that range too? I have him at number thirty-eight, and I really like Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez this year. Yeah. I, am I, I have him fan. in the fifties, but I, I wanted to to raise him a little higher. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of of Rodriguez. Four seven four ERA over thirty two appearances, thirty one starts last year. So when you see him sign five years, seventy seven million with the Tigers, you might say why. Uh, but I still think it was impressive, especially coming off a year where uh, he didn't pitch uh, due to a heart condition as a result of contracting COVID-19 in 2020. Uh, but the peripherals-wise, there was no drop-off from anything we had seen previously um, during his success with the Red Sox. And 3.40 XERA. So remember, 4.74 ERA, but 3.40 XERA, 3.32 FIP. 3.43 xFIP. So he deserved a lot better luck than he had. 185 strikeouts, 47 walks. So, you know, peripheral wise, really, really solid. I wouldn't be surprised if his ERA was a full run better hmm. this year than it was last year. Kind of in line with what he did uh, with the Red Sox, um, I believe in 2018 and 2019. And I think that would put him inside the top 30 fantasy starters. Has Tucker Barnhart there? I think that that helps not only yeah. Rodriguez but uh, some of the young pitchers that we'll probably talk about in a little bit here. We'll see what the rest of the Tigers' defense looks like. I think getting Javier Baez in there uh, is a is a big deal. Uh, they have some prospects on the way, so we'll see how that changes the dynamic there. But I think Rodriguez has a chance to be a great value. One fifty three point four six ADP right now. I'm moving him up. I had him fifty fourth, but I'm moving him up. Um, in my own personal rankings. I had Lance McCullers at 38th. I'm a big fan of McCullers. He acknowledged, though, in late February, so a couple of weeks ago when we're recording here, that he's behind in his recovery from the forearm strain that knocked him out of the playoffs last year. We don't have a full picture on his health right now, so this is another case of having to reevaluate a player once he gets 
into camp whenever that happens. Um, you know, that, that the process of recovery is still dragging on here in March uh, is not a great sign. Um, or maybe with, you know, maybe he's just being cautious when asked the question about his status amid a lockout. I mean, we don't, we don't have like sit down interviews with, with any players to, to really gauge their status, but the 3.16 ERA, 185 strikeouts over 162 regular season innings last season, he, he did give up a ton of walks, but yeah. not a lot of hard hit action. You know, if, if the walk rate normalizes and his health ultimately checks out fine, McCullers will be such a nice mid-round value, maybe even mid to later round value. That's where kind of where he's going right now, 167 ADP in early NFC drafts. Love the situation in Houston. I think I think his draft position is going to rise if, if he has an uneventful camp. I guess are we going to see pitchers throw in games? Um like televised games, I don't. Know. I guess so. I mean, I think it'll be normal once it gets underway. Uh, how you think they're going to those games? I I don't know for sure, but so they're definitely going to report to like the Cactus League and Grapefruit League. I would think so. Okay, I, I don't know. I didn't know if they would do like the the kind of mini camps at their stadiums, like know. they did during COVID. But I guess with minor leaguers and stuff, it's going to be a more normal season. I haven't haven't thought that through. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, another pitcher that I'm yeah. really into that I've been moving up a lot is John Means with the Orioles. So 3.62 ERA last year. The fifth was a little bit higher, so it's a little bit deceptive. Um, through 26 starts, 134 strikeouts, 26 walks, and 146 and two-thirds innings. So the big issue with Means has been the home run ball. Gave up 30 last year in 146 and two-thirds innings, but... You look at those dimensions changing at Camden Yards, the wall from the foul pole and left uh, to center field to left center field will be moved back 30 feet uh, or has already been actually. And the wall is being raised in left field, uh, left to left center field from uh, five feet uh, is being raised five feet from seven feet to 12 feet. So the, the walls will be 12 feet tall. That is a huge difference huge and you know the Orioles don't have a lot of starting pitchers to be excited about or not even more than one maybe uh but (laughs) uh with means I think that's gonna that's gonna make a huge difference for his his value and I think make the ERA much more repeatable he got close to a strikeout per inning last year the the control is excellent but if he can give you a mid threes ERA I, I see no reason he can't be I mean, I have him ranked 48th, so you're not asking a lot. And the ADP is 224.24. You could basically get him in the final rounds of of standard mixed league drafts, but I think he can be a lot better than that. I have Shane Baz 40th, and I put him there under the impression that there was going to be a delay to the beginning of the regular season. I made these ranks... I don't know, Sunday, Monday. Um, and it, it turns out there there is going to be a delay, indefinitely so. He'd have been lower if we were looking at a full slate, but you pull back on some of the elevated workload concerns. Baz threw only 92 innings last year between the minors and majors, and now with a shorter schedule, he looks like, to me, a legitimate like lock him in top 40 starter, probably climbing high if this delay drags on a lot longer. Uh, but a 2.06 ERA, 113 strikeouts, and 78 and two-thirds innings last summer between AA Montgomery and AAA Durham. Only 13 walks in those 78-plus upper minor league frames. 
then a 2.03 ERA across his first three major league starts, 18 strikeouts and 13 and a third innings. Baz does pitch for the Rays, so you're thinking there might be shorter outings. Uh, but maybe they let him loose a bit more than they otherwise would have because of the shrinking number of, of games that baseball is probably going to play this season. Yeah, so two two young pitchers, well, actually three I wanted to talk about. So Do it. two on the Tigers, uh, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, and then Tanner Hawk, uh, Tanner Hoke with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll start with Skubal. 4.34 ERA last season. That doesn't jump off the page, but he struck out 164 batters and 149 in the third innings. But I'm very skeptical about his ability to make the leap to the next level here. He gave up a ton of hard hits, Mm -hmm. 35 homers allowed, was in the bottom 1% in the league in barrel percentage against. That's that's bad. That's blue. Uh, And if you look at a lot of the other categories on Baseball Savant for for Scooble, there's, there's more blue there. I think he's interesting in his ability to miss bats, but not one... I'm ready to bank on just yet. His four-seam fastball got crushed to the tune of a 6.11 slugging percentage wow. last year. So I don't know if this is just a matter of switching the pick, pitch mix or what, but I don't think he's there quite yet. Casey Mize, I, I feel very similarly about. Mize had a 3.71 ERA, 1.14 whip in 30 starts last season. Might make it look like he's ready to take the leap, but I don't think so just yet 492 xera so a full run higher so he was he was certainly fortunate benefited from a 254 babip last year and like his teammate Tarek skubal gave up a lot of hard contact the reason i'm hesitant mostly is the lack of strikeouts 118 strikeouts and 150 in the third innings until he gets more swings and misses i don't see that era being repeatable I'm thinking low four ERA, maybe to mid fours. I think Tucker Barnhart's presence helps these young pitchers, but how much, I'm really not sure. So I'd be careful about banking too much on Mize. Um, The other name I wanted to talk about, Hoke, Tanner Hoke with the Red Sox, 3.52 ERA, was kind of up with Boston and fits and starts last year, made 13 starts. Uh, Looks like the right-handed version of Chris Sale, but really impressive stuff. 87 strikeouts in in 69 innings. We'll see if he gets a full-time spot in the Red Sox rotation. As of now, I'd probably put him in there. He'd probably be their fifth starter behind Chris Sale, Nate Evaldi, Nick Pavetta, even Rich Hill, who the Red Sox signed during the offseason. But if he gets a real shot, I think he could be a breakout candidate. So, out of, any, out of those three guys I just talked about, I think I like Hauk the best. Ranger Suarez is super interesting. I've met 44th. The NFC min and max draft position on Suarez is pretty hilarious. The The earliest he's gone on there, 94th overall. Hmm. The latest, 291st overall. <laughs> uh, so you've got believers out there and very much non-believers. I lean somewhere toward the middle. Uh, 1.36 ERA in 106 innings last year. That's obviously not sustainable. Um, Suarez had a very easy schedule. A lot of people have pointed that out. If you follow members of the fantasy baseball community on Twitter, ran into some luck with the opponents he was facing, some bad, bad offenses as he moved into the Phillies rotation. But he has that sharp sinker and a good changeup to pair with his four-seamer. He induced mostly soft contact throughout the 2020 season as both a reliever and a starter for the Phillies. 
Only four home runs allowed among the 418 batters he faced. Again, not sustainable. Um, just slightly over his strikeout per inning. I don't know. Suarez could fall flat and even be relegated back to a bullpen gig. There's risk in that. But there, I think there's enough here to take a shot and feel kind of excited about it. Like maybe some of this stuff is is somewhat real or close to being real if he's like a low three ERA guy and you get him pretty late. Um, I'd feel confident in that. I'd Mike Clevenger just above Ranger Suarez at, at 43. A, another pitcher here whose fantasy stock should benefit from the season delay. Kevin or Clevenger had a Tommy John had Tommy John surgery in late November 2020, so that puts him like 15, 16 months removed from it by now. And and when opening day arrives, something like 17 months 18 months possibly removed from it he he said he was about ready to begin throwing at full bore back around the end of november beginning of december um and between the 2017 and 2020 seasons clevenger posted a 2.96 era 1.15 whip 553 strikeouts and 489 innings that's a 10.2 k per nine he had a 12.1 k per nine in 2019 clevenger does carry other like general durability concern he's only pitched more than 126 innings in a season once in his career but the 2022 schedule is probably going to be quite a bit shorter now and so the Padres won't require him to be the workhorse that he's rarely been I think a lot of wins are possible on on a San Diego team that can definitely rebound if he can work later into games and and make that full recovery from Tommy John so another pitcher coming back from injury high profile name Luis Severino, and, and we thought we were going to see a lot more of him last season than we we ultimately did. Um, coming back from Tommy John surgery, had some setbacks, had some other unrelated uh, injury issues last year. Ended up making four relief appearances down the stretch, but he looked awesome. He's only thrown 18 innings though since the start of 19, uh, since the start of 2019. But remember, 2017, 2018, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, was basically a top 10 fantasy starter, 3.18 ERA over 63 starts during that time with great peripherals. He's still just 28 years old, believe it or not. I think there's a lot of potential upside with Severino, and the ADP is 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 fine. I mean, you take a shot late, 177.31 yeah. on NFC, like why not? I, I think there's uh, some nice rebound upside appeal, not too risky either. Uh, mm. I think he's a pitcher I'll probably end up with on a lot of teams this year. I had Patrick Sandoval 50, Logan Gilbert 51. Uh, Sandoval's drawn a ton of sleeper buzz in, in certain fantasy circles. He went down with a season-ending lumbar spinal stress reaction in August last year, so the innings total finished up at 87, but there was a lot of great stuff in that limited action. Sandoval earned 32 individual swing and misses in one start against the Mariners, in June, the only other pitcher to earn 32 swing and misses in a start last year was Garrett Cole, both of ours, num- both of our number one starter for 2022. Yep. Sandoval's career ERA in the majors right now sits at 4.42, but he's 25 years old and rapidly improving with a tremendous changeup, one of the best changeups in the game, uh, a good curve and slider, and a fastball that it has reached like the mid to upper 90s in the past when. He was more of a prospect. It wasn't quite there last year, so I don't know what's up with that. Maybe he was throwing different variations of it, slowing it down. 
Um, but Sandoval might be forming into a cornerstone for an Angels club that needs cornerstones on the pitching side, like we talked about. And then Gilbert, like, yeah, speaking of young, developing potential cornerstone starters in the AL West, his rookie season in 2021 was disappointing in some ways, like 4.68 ERA, but Gilbert finished with a, a 1.17 whip, 128 strikeouts, 28 walks over his first 119 big league innings. He's a lanky six foot six, 225 pound guy gets incredible extension in his delivery, which limits reaction time for hitters. Just a, you know, a little simple math problem, already an excellent fastball. And as the other pitches develop the slider, the curve, the change, he could turn into to something that the Mariners can build upon 24 years old, turns 25 in May. 14th overall pick in the 2018 draft out of Stetson University, where Jacob DeGrom went. That's right. That's right. And there's a lot of late round potential breakout pitchers. Michael Kopech, I think, is more probably going middle rounds. Yeah. Um, but he's a name to watch as well. Joe Ryan with the Twins, I think, is really interesting. Came over from the Rays in that Nelson Cruz deal last year. Posted really impressive numbers in the minors and backed that up. Uh, during his time with the Twins, 405 ERA, 30 strikeouts against five walks in uh, 26 and two-thirds innings. And, you know, you look at those those numbers, 30 to five strikeout-to-walk ratio, you're thinking maybe he has, like, blow-away stuff. But Ryan doesn't really have that. Um, he really gets by on deception. People call it his invisible that he throws. Because <laughs> he sits, like, low 90s with his fastball. But he throws it a ton and gets a lot of success with it because he hides it so well. I think the big question is his ability to maintain that. Did hitters pick up on that? Uh, how sustainable is that over the course of a full season? Uh, but he, he had some initial success. He's had nothing but success in the minors. So let's see how far this goes. You can get him pretty late as well. So uh, I'm excited about Joe Ryan. I had Kopech at 49. You mentioned okay. him. It sure looks like he's going to get a, a shot at a rotation spot with the White Sox in 2022 after various stops and starts and differing roles throughout the early part of his pro career. And I can't wait to see what he does with that opportunity. Yeah. You know, a 3.50 ERA, 1.13 whip, 103 strikeouts in 69 in a third innings last season, working mostly in relief, high-end fastball velocity, a very effective slider. Kopech didn't dig real far into the other areas of his arsenal while working out of the bullpen, but he does have a curve and a changeup too. Uh, there is a risk, like Ranger Suarez, that Chicago signs another starter, that Kopech hits some road bumps early on, and it's decided he should move back to a bullpen role. But he's had the stuff for a long time to, to get the job done as a starting pitcher at the major league level. And I think he could become one of the best draft day steals of the year. He's going around the 54th starter off the board right now across most services. So two more late round pitchers. I wanted to look at real quick. Uh, Waskari Noah uh, with the Braves um, was well on his way to a breakout kind of came out of nowhere early last year, but the peripherals backed it up. Uh, had a great start to the season, but uh, that all came to a screeching halt when he he punched the dugout bench, had a bad start, mm -hmm. uh, punched the dugout bench there, broke his pitching hand, uh, made it back, but wasn't quite the same. 505 ERA. Advanced metrics indicated that he deserved a little bit better. The peripherals remain pretty nice for him. So you do wonder how things could look 
with a full season in the Braves rotation. I think he's interesting as a late round pick. I also think there's a chance that, you know, he struggles and the best we ever saw from him was early last season and he quickly loses a rotation spot. I think that's all within the realm of possibility, but you know, peripherals wise, he's was pretty solid even after returning 100 strikeouts, 25 walks and 91 innings. I'm looking at that and I'm seeing the ADP 243.11 on NFC and he's looking pretty good as a late round option to me. Yeah, don't fight inanimate objects, kids. No, That's that's no. the lesson of today's program. I had Adam Wainwright at 60th, rounding out my top 60. Uh, old ageless wonder entering what could be his swan song with battery mate Yadier Molina. It's unfortunate those two are missing games right now. They need 20 mm. more games together to set the all-time record for a pitcher-catcher combo. Wow. That's currently held by Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehan of the mm. 60s and 70s Detroit Tigers. That'd be a really cool record for them mm-hmm. to ride out with. Um, we all know about Wainwright's curveball, but his sinker has been more effective than ever, like ever in his career over the last two seasons, helping him to a 3.08 ERA, 1.05 whip, 228 strikeouts and 272 innings. That's all since the beginning of 2020. Uh, one of the most cerebral pitchers in the sport with excellent command of whatever he's doing. Terrific color analyst, too. Yes. Uh, whenever he no does doubt. retire, I think Fox or, or some other national network is going to have a spot for him in a broadcast booth. Uh, right now, though, Wainer's, or Wainwright is still a very useful, active fantasy arm for the ratios and the wins and you know enough strikeouts to crack my top 60. He works d- deep into games. Um, he'll get a lot of wins. He got Cy Young votes last year for the first time since 2014, which is incredible mm. at his age. I like Steven Matz with the Cardinals this year. Me too. too. With, Me with too. the better defense behind him. Yep. Uh, he had a good year last year with the Blue Jays. I think coming out of the Cardinals, he's going to be sneaky good. Yeah, I have him num- uh, like around number 70. Yeah, I, he's outside my top 60, but I, I, I would happily take him to be like – round out my mixed league rotation. I think he's going to be good. Um, Two rebound guys for me, Kyle Hendricks. He can only be better. Carlos Carrasco too. Yeah. If he can stay now. (laughs) Yeah. If, yeah, he's free, but if he can actually stay healthy and make it through the first inning without giving up a run, which he, he couldn't do very often the Mets last year, but the peripherals were nice with him too. Uh, I think it can be a great value, but health is a big glaring question mark uh, with Carrasco right now. Other name I want to say before I'm done, uh, Tony Gonsolin has an ADP of 316.28. We've talked about Gonsolin for a long time. Yep, It didn't really work out for him last year. ERA was actually pretty good, but he walked 34 batters in 55 and two-thirds innings last year, which is really weird because he had great control prior to that so i don't know what was going on with that but i'm kind of willing to give him a bit of a mulligan bit of a pass it's only 53 55 and two-thirds innings um and see where things go with that the dodgers rotation obviously they they lost max scherzer there so there's a chance for gonsolin maybe the dodgers sign someone maybe trevor bowers back we'll see what happens as far as the dodgers rotation but if gonsolin gets a shot um i'd take a i'd take a chance on him late mitch white maybe could also be an option in that Dodgers rotation. I think he's a name to watch as well. 
you say Kikuchi could be interesting depending on where he lands in, in yeah. free agency. Uh, Chris Flexen was a really nice run prevention type streaming candidate last year. He, he could add a few more strikeouts. He, he struck out a lot of batters in Korea before uh, signing with Seattle. Um, yeah. Jesus, Jesus Lazardo, like a post, 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 post hype kind of breakout mm-hmm. candidate perhaps now with the Marlins. Uh, Luis Patino, I think, is a little bit underrated with the Rays depending on what role. They give him Steven Strasburg, I guess, is just he's disappeared. I mean, he had the thoracic outlet. Um, I don't know. We kind of got to see him come back before we're going to want to take him in leagues. What do you think about Noah Syndergaard? We'll wrap it up here. Uh, I'm not super in him this year. Yeah, I'm not. And, and you know, he he came back. You know, he, the Mets were expecting him to come back around midseason. He had a setback with his elbow. He came back for, I guess it was two appearances the final week of the season or so, but he wasn't throwing his secondary pitches. Uh, he wasn't throwing his breaking pitches. I, I guess he wanted some peace of mind going into the offseason and also show to teams like, hey, I'm pitching. Yeah. But that's that's worrisome to me. And he did say like he didn't want to throw his slider because of the risk to his elbow. Like it was causing some discomfort there. So... What happens when you have to go full effort in a game? Hmm. I just, I'm not sure about the workload. I'm, I'm worried about him blowing out the elbow again or being sidelined for a significant period of time. So he wasn't, and, and his stuff is never really matched up wise strikeouts, right? Right. He wasn't really an ace, like t- toward yeah. the end of his healthy Mets tenure. Like he threw his, a career high innings in 2019. And allowed the most earned runs of any NL starter, hmm. you know. And like, I mean, the the career K per nine is nine point seven. It's been it had it had fallen toward the end of his Mets tenure. Yeah. Um, not even like not you know excluding his injury related season. So I, I agree. I'm kind of kind of need to see something more. Uh, we could keep going on, but yeah, Reed Detmer's on the Angels. I like too. Yeah, I hope he gets a um, shot in the Angels rotation. Speaking of Angels, Josiah Gray. I think he's a, a sneaky breakout type for the Nationals. They they need some help. And then Alex Wood. We started the show with Alex Wood. I, I think he could be very relevant in fantasy leagues as well. Yeah, me too. We could go on and on, but we're, we are going to stop. <laughs> uh, we hope you've learned something from this episode. And, of course, you can uh, get our draft guide both in person, in magazine form, and online for – further analysis we have lots of great stuff in there more and more to come especially um once a deal's reached and the lockout is over there's going to be so much more good stuff uh coming in the online draft guide and on nbcsportsedge.com so uh, make sure to uh stay tuned uh keep it tuned to our player news page uh for updates during this lockout negotiation and afterwards because it is going to be a barrage of information so you want to stay tuned as far as that's concerned if you like what you're hearing with this show circling the bases be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you are listening on apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind five stars please follow us on twitter if you don't already i'm at dj short drew is at drew silv Be safe out there, everyone. We will see you next time, hopefully with baseball.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.